Wasn't that good? While the screen is coming down, it's been quite a week. I received a phone call this last week from our conference, one of our conference officials, wanting me to consider pastoring the Desert Oasis Church and to think about it. So I thought two seconds and then I said, nope, I'm staying in Beaumont. You see, they're not hiring outside of the conference and there are a lot of church openings and they're just moving pastors from place to place and some of the churches have been without pastors for many months and that's uh, that can actually be a destruction of the church and not help it out and we're just building up I mean we're we got exciting things to do in the future so I just can't leave you hanging there and and go someplace else. So I graciously asked them to consider someone else. The other thing was is the Lord, I still believe, and both Gene and I believe, we're supposed to stay right here right now. So we want to follow what the Lord wants, not what, not what the world wants. Well, as you can see, we're going to be celebrating communion. You can flip that down. Thank you. Celebrating communion. And there's a lot of hidden treasures in the biblical account of the communion itself. And some things, again, like we've been talking about uh, the last few weeks, sometimes we read over these things and we never really stop to consider what it means or what it was like back in those days. And it's the same way here and now, you know. One of the things we need to talk about is who is it that really establishes the worth of an item? You know, we all have things that we treasure that means a lot to us, but if we was to hand it over to someone else, they may not see any worth in it at all. Let me give you an example. There was a man that went to a pawn shop and he had a little package in his hand and he carried it in and he went to the pawnbroker and he needed some cash and the pawnbroker looked at that and and it was just some pieces off of a belt. And the pawnbroker says, well, you know, I'm not sure how much that is worth. And he says, because I know you need some extra cash, I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll give you $10. Well, the man needed the cash. And he thought, well, that's probably worth that. And so he took his $10 and he left the pawn shop very happy. Well, the pawnbroker took a look at the few pieces from that belt and uh, then he placed a price on it. And the price he placed on it was $450 because it was all silver. No leather, just the silver pieces. Now, I take a look at that story and I look at it and I say, there's no way in the world that I would ever pay $450 for a whole belt, let alone just a partial belt. I'm a cheap kind of a guy and I tend to go and look at Walmart and if my wife would let me, I would even go and take a rope and tie it around my pants, just keep my pants up, but she won't let me do that. So to me, it wouldn't be worth $450. He wouldn't sell that in a pawn shop to me, maybe someone else. But the pawn shop owner was the one that set the price of that, and it was all silver. 
And maybe it was tarnished when the man brought it in, and maybe the pawn shop guy thought, well, I've got a real fish on the line here. I'm going to take him for everything that's worth. But it was the owner then that saw what it was really worth, and he put the price on it, and he probably got it. I don't know. But then we've got to stop and think about ourselves. Sometimes we feel worthless. And I've heard some of you say that, you know, I just am not really worth anything to God. And yet there are some of us that says, well, really life is all about me. And you think highly of yourselves. And uh, more than maybe what your rest of your friends and family think of you. So sometimes we place our worth on ourselves and maybe it's fair and maybe it isn't. Who really establishes how much we're worth? Do we rely upon what other people say that they think that we're worth? Do we wait for the comments? They may, they may not come. Well, I want to look at some Bible texts. Let's first start with Colossians chapter 1, if this thing will turn, there we go, verses 16 through 18. Look what it says here. For by him, and it's talking in the context about Jesus, for by him all things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things consist. And he is the head of the what? Keep that in mind. He's the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he may have the preeminence. This is telling me that Jesus is the creator. Am I right? He's the creator of those things that we see and those invisible things that we don't see, we can't see. And all things are his. That means we're he, we are his creation. We belong to him. So when we establish that he is the creator, now we go to what we often read at, the, at communion time about what took place in that upper room in John 13, verses 1 through 5. It says, Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come, that he should depart from this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. What did he do to the end? He loved them to the end. And supper being ended, the devil having already put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, Jesus knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come from God and was going to God, rose from the supper, laid aside his garments, took a towel, girded himself, and after that he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel with which he was girded. We know this. We, we look at it each quarter when we take a look at the communion. But what was it like for the disciples when they saw Jesus taking off his robe, grabbing the towel in a basin and started washing the feet? They didn't like it. And I had to ask myself, and this is where we sometimes have to go and we have to take a look, why didn't they like it? What was it about it that that bothered them. And I did a little research and I discovered something that's quite interesting. It was the custom 
of a home, especially if it was kind of a wealthy home, it was a custom that any guests that are invited to that home, the second that they come through the door, there is a servant that is there that is to wash their feet. Okay? You know that? Most homes had more than one servant. In fact, in a lot of homes, they may have had maybe five or six servants. Most of them were Jewish, except one who was a Gentile. All of them Jewish, all the servants are Jewish, except the Gentile. And it was the, here we have the creator that was washing the feet. And there wasn't any servants there. Here is Jesus, the creator of everything, visible and invisible. He's stooping down and he's washing the feet. Now, if you remember back in those days, they wore sandals. This is sandals of of the Romans of that time. Kind of looked like this. It was more modern. It looked more like plastic than leather. But it was leather straps that was around them. And they were out walking. Most of the time, to get one from one place to another, they walked. But there were other forms of transportation as well, too, during those days that were walking along the streets. You had horses, you had camels, and you had sheep that were walking up and down the roads. You didn't ride the sheep, but they were on the roads as well, too. You had cattle and oxen, and you had donkeys that were going all around, up and down the roads. So you were either walking or you had those animals that were walking up and down the road itself. What do you think they all have in common, all these animals walking up and down the road? What? They had dirty feet? They contributed to the dirty feet. Because there was no sanitation in those days. Where they went, they went. So when you were walking, if you wasn't watching where you was going, if someone was teaching you something or sharing something with you, all of a sudden, sploop, oh, yuck. So all that was collecting on the feet. And you would come then to the person's house, the guest's house, and the servant, the Gentile servant, washed the feet of the guest. And the reason why they were the ones to wash the feet was because they were Gentiles. A Jewish servant, a Jewish person, would never, ever think of washing another person's feet. Why? Because they believed that they would be unclean in the eyes of God. And they didn't want that to take place. So now with that in mind, here is Jesus, the creator of the universe, stooping down, taking off his robe, and he starts washing the unclean, smelly junk from their feet. What a disgrace. No wonder the disciples are going, What are you doing? If you really stop and look, what he was doing was really a kind of a foreshadow of the cleansing that would soon take place at the cross. You see, at the cross... Jesus is the only one who would be able to wash the unclean muck from our lives. Am I right? Our sins is like the dirty feet, the stuff we step in. We don't like it. 
Someone has to clean it. We can't do it. And so who was it that is to clean the stuff from between our cracks of our toes and our lives and everything else? It's the Creator. What does that have to do with the worth of a person now? John 15, verses 13 and 14. We read it in our scripture reading this morning. Greater love has no one than this, than to lay down one's life for his friends. And Jesus said, You are my friends. But I'm worthless. I'm no better than dung on the road. Jesus knows that. But look at 1 Corinthians 6, verse 20. For you were bought at a price. Therefore glorify God in your what? Do you remember when I said to remember the body back then? And that body stood for the church? Here, you were bought for a price. Therefore glorify God in your church and in your spirit, which are God's. 1 Corinthians 7.23 You are bought at a price. Do not become slaves of men. What price do we have? Are we worth 450? Let me go back. 450,000? Are we worth 450 million? What are we worth? This thing's not going right. How much are we worth? $450 billion? Do you know how much we're worth? Now remember, the pawn shop owner established the worth and he put a price on it and he'd probably get it. Jesus, our Creator, puts a price on it and His price is His life. Am I right? Jesus went to the cross to be able to die. Why? Why did He do that? Because you and I are His friends and He loves us. We are priceless in the eyes of the Creator. He was willing to give up His life just for you. He was willing to cleanse you of the dung of sin within your life. I think we're pretty precious. He says that you are worth it. You're worth every bit of it. And if He had to do it all over again, thank God He doesn't have to, but He would do it again, I'm sure. You're a treasure to the Creator, even though you may not think that you are a treasure. You are to be an example to the world of who Jesus is like. You're very important to Him. So we need to experience the cleansing. Now, we're going to make a couple of changes here. The families, they're all going to go into these three classrooms here on the foot washing service. Visitors, we invite you to participate. We're not going to force you to. If you don't want to participate in the foot washing service, you can sit out here. But it's an example. It's a reminder of what Jesus was willing to do to cleanse us, and he's still willing to cleanse us if we're going to allow him to do it. And so the families will go here in these classrooms. And if we need to come out, if there isn't enough chairs, come out into the sanctuary. Okay, the last classroom over here we have for the ladies who doesn't have family here or the ones who want to go back to the old traditional ways of doing it where they separated the men and women. We honor that. So you can go to the last classroom and we'll, you can experience the foot washing service there. The men, I believe, is in the very first classroom on, 
on the outside building over there. And then in between there will be a story time for the children so the children can have a story time through this time. And then we will meet back here as a family and then we'll participate with the bread and the wine. But keep it in mind that you are worth a lot in the eyes of Jesus. You are so worth it he was willing to die for you. Keep that in mind as you wash each other's feet. Let's just bow our heads for prayer. Even though we don't feel like it, even though sometimes we feel very inadequate, we feel worthless, sometimes we may even have a big ego and we think that we are the best thing in the world. Really, the best thing in the world is our Creator who has established a worth in us. You have bought us with a price. That was the life that you shed on that cross. Help us to experience that cleansing, all that muck and mire and all that stuff that has collected on us since the last time we've had communion together. Cleanse us deeply now is our prayer. In Jesus' name, amen.